right, hello Karis families and welcome to a summer episode of the Karis podcast. Um, we are here today, I'm, I'm actually here with Aaron Decker. <laughs> Aaron Decker and uh, I threw that at him earlier than I said I would. Um, we're going to be talking about physical education in the classical school and what we're going to be doing this year as well. So I'm going to start out with a quote from Rousseau. To learn to think, we must therefore exercise our limbs, our senses, and our bodily organs, which are the tools of our intellect. And to get the best use of these tools, the body which supplies them must be strong and healthy. So, um, before we start, I just want to give you a little disclaimer. We are recording in my dining room. There is... One of my kids is mowing the lawn right now. One of my kids is dog sitting up in her room, and you can hear one of the dogs barking. And actually, Mr. Knetter and Mrs. Nielsen, Kim and Monty, are meeting on my porch right now because we were talking about admin stuff. So it's a Karis day at my house, but it's going to be a loud podcast, I think. So we'll cross our fingers and may have to stop and edit. But stick with us. Mr. Decker has some awesome things to say about physical education in the classical school. So thanks for joining us, Aaron. It's great to be on for a second time. Yay. Yeah. I got a lot of great feedback on that Good Soil podcast. So if you're here and you haven't listened to our Good Soil podcast yet, which is episode 16, I believe this is episode 17. We're almost at 20. Um, then go ahead and listen to that, which talks about uh, the outcome of classical Christian alum- alumni. Super exciting. But now we're going to have healthy classical Christian alumni as we talk about classical PE. So, Mr. Decker, will you... No, I'm supposed to call you Aaron now. (laughs) It's summer. I can call you Aaron. (laughs) So, Aaron, will you start us off? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So, I wanted to take some time to address how physical education even fits into the classical model. Mm -hmm. So, the first question you might start off with is, do we actually need physical education, right? Because we want to know it's virtuous, true, good, and beautiful. And, you know, your body really doesn't matter. We just need to be, you know, reading uh, Homer or whatever. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with reading Homer. Or whatever. (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) Well, it depends what that whatever is. Yes. But one of those whatevers would be Plato's Republic. Uh In which, nice, a little segue there. Yeah, that was uh, good. (laughs) Where Socrates gets in this, he's on his way to this uh, cool little festival where they're doing like... uh, a nighttime chariot race where they're passing off torches. But Socrates, being the guy that he is, uh, instead of actually going to the event and watching, gets into a long conversation about justice. That lasts the whole book. (laughs) So he starts off uh, defining justice by saying, hey, let's look at the ideal society. And to build that ideal society, you need education. So what does Socrates think we need for our education? He says, well, you need to start off with gymnastic and music as your two chief subjects. And I should note that when he uses the terms music and gymnastic, he takes a fairly broad uh, approach. Like, I think he'd probably stick mathematics inside of music because, you know, the numbers have harmonies and things. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not like, you know, he's thinking your primitive years, you'll only be like playing clarinet and squatting. Um, (laughs) Instead, it's a a little broader than that. Uh, So he's got a nice quote where he's uh, talking with the uh, person he's talking with and they say, Uh, Neither are the two arts of music and gymnastic really designed, as is often supposed, the one for the training of the soul, the other for the training of the body. His friend asks, uh, what then is the real object of them? And Socrates answered, I believe I said that the teachers of both have in view chiefly the improvement of the soul. Mm -hmm. So we see this 
uh, the kind of immediately obvious thing is, well, music makes you like smart and improves your soul, whereas gymnastic makes you strong. But in fact, both of them actually have some sort of effect on the soul. And in fact, I think it's really good that we have physical education because we can tend to take a somewhat like Gnostic approach where we like right off the world is like, oh, this is just this world where like these spirits or whatever. Uh, but as like Orthodox Christians, like we believe in what the bodily resurrection, mm-hmm. um, not in some, you know, nebulous, just spirits floating around and the body being like, oh, well, that was then and it's not important. So P is useful for that. Uh, let's do a little history. What would gymnastic have meant to Socrates? Uh, so in his day, there were various sports that they would play and a lot of them were based on military endeavors and in fact we see the same thing today go to a track and field event and it's basically training you to be in like the athenian army right you've got the the running events right so you can run to battle or run away uh depending you've got like the javelin throw which is basically spearing someone you've got the (laughs) you've got the discus the discus is a weapon yeah uh that you're throwing the same with the little uh the shot put And they'd also be playing some other things, uh, equestrian sports, um, and then boxing, wrestling, and a little sport called pancreation. What is pancreation? Great question. Yeah. Uh, So it comes from the Greek words pan meaning all and kratos meaning strength. So my sport's called all strength. Pretty cool. It was their combination (laughs) of boxing and wrestling, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing in that like we do classical education, which is this ancient idea that we're applying now. And it's kind of the futuristic thing of like, Ooh, our school does classical. And it's like the cool new thing. Right. Uh, in the same way as a culture, people are kind of like, Ooh, MMA, it's this new thing. Well, in fact, they were doing it like 2000 years ago. Um, and based on some research, we don't have like great manuscript evidence, but it seems that the rule set was fairly similar as far as, as what they could do. Um, pretty much boxing with takedowns and wrestling. So. Wow. Okay. Any great costumes? <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't Maybe know. Not. Well, yeah. you know, they were Greek. So yeah, uh, Socrates true. had some sure. opinions on gym uniforms that we do not hold, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Should we? We won't venture into that one. Won't but, venture yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> um, anyhow, to wrap it up with Socrates, since our mission is to instill like virtue in our, our kids, mm-hmm. and since we're people, we're not ghosts, we have a bodily aspect, we need physical education as part of that. Yeah. And they're all integrated, too. I mean, we are not... Yeah, you're saying it, but I just want to hammer in. Like we, as believers, we believe that all these things are connected. So as we're educating the mind, if your body isn't up to par, if it's not working properly, then you're going to have a harder time learning. It's going to have a harder time educating the mind. And there's a lot of virtue that kind of trickles down into that as well. We're embodied souls, like actual embodied souls. So yeah, I think this is very important. Things like getting up on time, doing physical education in fact affects your spiritual life right because if you if you sleep in and then you just sit around and you know drink two liters of soda and then you're like oh it's like bible and prayer time you feel terrible you don't feel focused Mm -hmm. whereas instead you need to get up and do your reading for the day well and i could i could even make the argument i know we're talking about pe but you know we we're talking a little bit about why we have uniforms at our school as well so there's a reason for that because it affects how you act, it affects how you interact with other people, and it affects how you learn. So we won't go into uniforms right now. Maybe that's another podcast, but yeah. If you're wearing pajamas, then you kind of have that pajama mentality. Yeah, so yep, yep, for sure. Not that there's anything wrong with that once in a while, but... <laughs> yeah, it's fun for Spirit Day, but... <laughs> yeah, it's <exactly. laughs> So, okay, sorry for taking us off track there. 
So let's talk a bit about how a gym class is typically done. Um, so the reason to do this is I think it's good to look at what our differentiators is, is classical education. When we think of humanities, we know what we're doing in classical education and we make sure everyone knows. And we see if you watch the, you know, read the good soil study that it's getting results. What we do with humanities, we're clearly differentiated. Right. We're not really differentiated on physical education. We hmm. kind of do what, you know, kind of the rest of the country is doing. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the rest of the country, it's kind of got a holdover from the kind of modern educational thing born in the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. We're like, well, the best way to build a car is on an assembly line. So obviously the best way to educate your kids is on an assembly line as well. So like your morning bell rings and then you, you know, run the kids off and you like fasten on some uh, mathematics and then you move them on and like weld on some social studies and then they get to the end of the assembly line at the day and you consider them educated. And we see that like doesn't really work too well as an educational methodology because social studies and math actually have things to do with one another. So in our culture, physical education is kind of in this awkward spot of like, we feel like we need it for tradition, but we're not sure why. Hmm. So a lot of it ends up being focused on ideas of like lifelong fitness or whatever. And they tend to be on recreational activities um, that you could continue doing after school. Uh, My problem with that is like, should we really spend class time so you can learn how to play like cornhole and like, like badminton? <laughs> like these are great games, but you probably already like know how to play them. Sure. Um, so why spend class time on them? Uh, so there's an exception that uh, to this looking in the uh, history of U.S. education that I thought was interesting. And actually, if you search classical PE on the Internet, this is what you'll find. Uh, it's called the La Sierra program. So back in the day, the (laughs) 1960s, um, over in California, there was a man named Stan Laprati who was at La Sierra high school and he came up with this physical education program. And what it was, was only 15 minutes a day of physical training, but it was a well-spent 15 minutes. Uh, they had, it was this kind of calisthenics course and they also had some really fun stuff like the little pegboards that you climb up and rope climbs and all that and what they do is they give uh, colored trunks um, to the students and instead of like competing like we normally do in America like yeah you need to be first it was all based on how much you personally could do Um, so if you could meet the thing you got like the blue trunks or whatever Uh, so for an as an example of one of these levels the blue trunks uh, you had to do among other things, 13 consecutive pull-ups. Yeah. <laughs> which is a lot. Um, it's a lot. And the cool thing, over 40% of their students on any given year in the La Sierra program were at the blue level. So Incredible. 40% yeah. could do 13 pull-ups. Well, that's more than I can do. Uh, oh. So I think that's an interesting idea, unfortunately, uh, due to some various uh, legal and structural changes, Stan Laprati kind of... Uh, you know, retired and they dismantled this program. And unfortunately, their kids can't do uh, quite that many pull-ups now. I think that's an interesting inspiration for mm-hmm. something we could do. Yeah. It's easy to get stuck on like 13 pull-ups and it's like, oh, that's neat. But what does that do? But when you think, visualize in your mind, someone who can do zero pull-ups versus someone who does 13 pull-ups, like it's not just the ability to pull themselves up on a bar. They're looking a lot healthier and mm-hmm. are probably going to be a lot more, you know, mentally attentive, especially in school. It's kind of grueling. Like, you have several hours that you have to pay attention at once. Yeah, I I think that, I mean that's also a bigger question and something we're 
kind of talking about our students do need to have physical activity after a few hours of sitting. And yeah, I think this could work into a lot of great discussion, but this is a great place to start. I really appreciate that you've done all this research. Okay, so let's let's keep going. So what what are you thinking as you as you did some of this research and and your expertise in jujitsu and and the other places that you've studied over the last several years? Yeah, so I was sitting down thinking, well, using these as kind of inputs of where we want to go, what do we want to accomplish with our FIAD curriculum? So we'll think about that and then we'll kind of constrain it down back to reality. Uh, so what do we want? We want something that ideally teaches kids a skill. Hopefully it's something useful throughout life. Mm -hmm. It's actually useful. Uh, underwater basket weaving would be fun and it's easy a, but <laughs> you're probably not going to ever need to, you know, weave baskets underwater. Um, I'm not sure that's an easy a, but okay. Let's move on. Well, I've heard <laughs> <For> some students, <laughs> I think only the basket goes underwater. Oh, okay. Okay. Otherwise. Yeah, that would be another level. <laughs> strap on your scoob, scuba yeah. gear. Well, I mean, really, I, even if you were just, I was thinking just the basket underwater, but still that, that would be hard, like handiwork, but it's not really PD. Well, and then it stays, uh, the reed stays supple because it's underwater. Yeah, but weaving, you, weaving itself. With, true. It's a hard thing to do. Okay. We're just, it's, it's sorry. It's more of an arts and crafts class. Oh, there you go. There you go. That makes a lot My of sense. My apologies to all of the basket weavers in the listening audience. You heard it here. These so one, we want a useful <laughs> skill, which of course includes basket weaving. Uh, second, we want our students to uh, improve their physical condition. And there's like a whole bunch of axes. You could break this like strength, endurance, flexibility, mobility, mental toughness, yes. uh, coordination. Uh, and then there's also things, you know, the non-fun things, practical considerations. You've only got so much equipment, facilities, and staff expertise. Um, and then the other consideration is safety because uh, this isn't, you know, pro football. This isn't the Olympics. Mm -hmm. We really want to prioritize safety, um, especially because if you get hurt, that's not fun. You're not training. You right. don't want to do exercise in the future because you got hurt. Sure. So thinking along those things, uh, things like equestrian sports, so horseback riding uh would be tons of fun the jousting would fit amazingly with our you know more medieval focus in history uh but unfortunately there's a, a couple blockers there with expense and safety so i don't think we'll have the horses uh anytime soon uh the next one that came to my mind was swimming because it's a useful skill right it literally will save your life if you ever find yourself in water and most of the planet's covered with water yeah <laughs> uh so yeah very useful uh, some problems. Oh, and it helps you along all the axes. Um, people who swim are among the best as far as like cardio endurance goes. Huh. Problems there. We need a pool. Uh, I don't think the vine has a pool. I mean, we can look around. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't quite checked out the whole basement. I don't think I saw a pool. Uh, the other thing is I think a lot of people recognize how important it is to know how to swim. So it's kind of a cultural thing where probably most parents have already enrolled their kids in swim lessons from a young age. Yeah. So that got me thinking, well, what else is super useful and can save your life? Combat sports, of course, because what if it's not water that attacks you? What if it's another person? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say something about a shark, but we'll just move on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I hear with sharks, you're supposed to punch them in the nose, but I'm really not... I think that might just be something they tell people to make them feel better when the shark's attacking them. Okay. So as a side note, have you guys, have you seen, um, oh, I'm going to have to think of it. It's Andy Wilson's movie on, it's like a series. Oh, I got to think of it. The nature one? Yes. I haven't watched it. So there's a nature one. There's a water one. 
And I'll post it along with these notes, but he does swim with sharks and he talks about, I can't believe we're off this. I'm so sorry. You're never going to want me to interview for you for a podcast again going off on here. But um, he does swim with sharks and he said it's, they tell him how to, you just have to be bigger and be more ag- be aggressive. More aggressive than not, not necessarily they aggressive, but like fear. be bold. Yes, exactly. Um, anyways, I haven't watched it for a little while, but I'll probably edit this out later. And if I forget, I apologize to our listeners, but, but it is a very good uh, documentary. If you need to integrate combat sports in the water. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So anyhow, poor, uh, combat sports. Aaron, I'm sorry. <laughs> combat sports. Combat sports. Uh, so, right off the bat, I'm going to be a nerd here and distinguish combat sports from martial arts. Uh, so, martial arts are any art form that derives from some sort of martial tradition. Okay. Uh, so, something like boxing would be a martial art. Something like karate would be a martial art. Something like capoeira, which is like dancing, but comes from a fighting style, would also be like a martial art. Like, what is it? Cap- capoeira. It's this like capoeira. Brazilian dance style. Oh. Uh, but it started as a martial art. Um, or something like Aikido or even like Tai Chi. Like and what would those be? Martial arts. Martial arts. Okay. Yeah. Like technically Tai Chi is a martial art, but when you think Tai Chi, it's kind of, you know, more like older folks trying to like maintain their mobility through like controlled motion. Okay. Uh, you're not going to win a fight using Tai Chi. Uh, and if you have doubts on that, just go on YouTube and look up Tai Chi master versus, uh, MMA fighter, uh, they end incredibly quickly because it's not a combat sport. It's a martial art. It's not really intended to actually win a fight. Whereas a combat sport is like huh. an actual sport. There's a competition. Yeah. You don't go to a Tai Chi competition. <laughs> there is, to my knowledge, no such thing. Okay. Whereas like judo, there's competitions. Yes. Something like Greco-Roman wrestling. Well, that's an Olympic sport. Right. Um, and it's that application that really makes it useful because you're kind of forced into reality. It's kind of the same way of, I guess with our kind of liberal arts curriculum of we pick stuff that you can like actually use because actually using it makes sure we actually have the rigor. Mm. Like, well, we teach you Latin, but then we also read ancient works in Latin. It's not just, well, we're going to learn Latin. wasn't that fun. We make sure we can actually like read things. Well, it's getting to the rhetoric stage. Mm-hmm. You've got the grammar, the logic, and you're getting to the rhetoric stage to be able to use it. So you actually master it. It's a very classical way of looking exactly. at it. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm thinking combat sports as far as you mm-hmm. want something that can save your life. So what are we picking? I'm picking Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So right. you probably asked the question, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like, what's that? Uh, so history lesson, and Katie, feel free to limit me for time here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm interested. This is great. Uh, so jiu-jitsu uh, in Japanese means gentle technique. Uh, so it does come from a martial tradition. I hate to say the word, but yes, from the samurai. Uh, Why do you hate to say the word? Because people go like, ooh, samurai. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Japan had a feudal period just like Europe did. Sure. But no one thinks like, oh, I'm going to train like the ancient knights. <laughs> but everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be a samurai. And then they dress in all black and throw their throwing stars at people. Anyhow... Well, you shouldn't want to avoid that. You should lean in. (laughs) We're going to do nunchuck training. I don't know. Uh, Okay. Anyhow, so it had a martial tradition where uh, basically as knights, they'd be armored and they'd be on horseback. The question is, what happens when someone gets dismounted from their horse? You can't punch them because they're wearing armor. Uh, So (laughs) it doesn't work very well. So your options are, well, you can throw them on the ground. You can try to break one of their uh, joints, or you can strangle them. 
So jujitsu was based around those gentle techniques of throws. Gentle? It's gentle because you're not hitting someone. Oh, okay. Uh, a striking sport, right? Like boxing, your goal is to hit the other person in the head until they can't stand up anymore. That's not very gentle. <laughs> no. Whereas something like jujitsu, which is one of the reasons I like it, you can go all out during competition without hurting the other person. Except putting their joints. Uh, well, you stop before you get there. Oh, okay. Like right. with a punch, you can't like mostly punch someone and be like, sure. but I'm not actually going to transfer any force Sure. because the delivery is all different. Whereas you can set up like a strangle and then just not tighten it up. Okay. Uh, same thing with a joint lock. You can get to where the joint is at its fullest extent and then you stop and the person taps out because they recognize uh, that you got the, the joint lock on them. Wow. Okay. So that's why it's called gentle. You can go yeah. 100% uh, if you want during competition, theoretically, without hurting one another. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so we move on a little into history uh, and talk about the world's most successful gym teacher, uh, Jigoro Kano. He's most successful because he started a sport that became an Olympic sport. Uh, during my career at uh, Karis as a gym teacher, I don't expect to be quite that successful. <laughs> uh, hey, don't sell yourself short. This was in, when, what year was this? This is uh, in the 1800s? Yeah, 1882. Okay. Which is kind of funny because sometimes people hear judo and they think like ancient Far Eastern sport where you're going to like align your chakra yeah, or something. This right. is This is the 1800s. Like, right. You know, they're installing electrical equipment in Tokyo probably at this time. Uh -huh. uh, so extremely modern. Um and in fact, a uh, little fun story, Jigoro Kano had uh, a rival that he couldn't beat. And he was able to beat him by learning a move that he got from an American wrestler called the Fireman's Carry. Are you serious? <laughs> serious. That's really cool. So sometimes we go like, oh, the East, they know how to fight. And it's like Jigoro Kano used an American wrestling move uh, to win. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so he started uh, the sport. It's got kind of all the things uh, as far as uh, throws, grappling, joint locks, and strangles. Um, we move on a little in history. Uh, this one dude goes to Brazil in 1917 and teaches the Gracie family judo. So it moves from Japan over to Brazil. Uh, judo then undergoes a bit of a uh, soul introspection, rule changes. I think they got a little tired of like wrestlers coming in and doing like single leg takedowns and winning competitions. Hmm. So they changed the rules a bit uh, to only allow certain throws, the really judo-y ones. Um, they also made it more of a stand-up sport, so you hardly get any time on the ground. Uh, I think part of that was they wanted something that was more spectator-friendly, hmm. which I think it, it did make it a more like dynamic sport, like for the same reason that, no offense to soccer fans, no one wants to watch soccer because it's... What? You never score, right? Oh, <laughs> I um, disagree. You can edit that one out if you want. <laughs> uh, but but I, I know what you say. So, so some things, one's really soccer-y, one's really judo-y. I love that you use that word. Yeah. It's just the judo-y. Judo, I can't say it. Judo-y. Anyhow, okay. in Brazil, <laughs> in Brazil, growing up on the rough streets of uh, Rio de Janeiro, they weren't about having a flashy sport. They were all about the self-defense. Yeah. So they kept alive that tradition of like, this is going to be a combat sport, very applicable to self-defense. Uh, and we fast forward to 1993 uh, to UFC one when in the eighties, there was like the whole like Kung Fu movement. Karate had its big boom where like karate kid. Yeah. Karate mm -hmm. kids, mm -hmm. strip malls everywhere. were popping up with karate experts or yes. Taekwondo experts. Yes. We had, we had, we had a class in our backyard growing up. <laughs> 
<laughs> Napoleon Dynamite popularized oh, it. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, anyhow, so there is this whole like milieu of like our martial arts the best. Uh, so some people decided to put it to the test with the uh, first UFC competition where people from various sports came. And Hoist Gracie, uh, spelled with an R because it's Brazilian, uh, won. Uh, against various strikers and wrestlers and so on and so forth and he won in an interesting way everyone else was busy like hitting themselves in the you know hitting the other person in the head he was just shooting in for a takedown and then getting for like a strangler or a joint lock so wow. it's very for what's in fact a very violent sport he won fairly non-violently at least that first year so this is 80 years after mitsudo maeda the the brazilian teacher what do you call him teacher instructor mm -hmm. visits to visit it says and teaches the gracie family judo mm -hmm. so this is one of this these family members yeah okay uh the one guy taught helio and hoist is helio's son okay one of them okay so Interesting. they okay. were chilling over in brazil yeah uh learning how to defend themselves and then they went and competed in ufc one and one and that's really what uh made people in america aware of the sport because before it's like brazilian jiu-jitsu what's that yeah whereas he won ufc one and it's like huh that's interesting he also won ufc two and ufc four uh he got part of the way in ufc three but during one of his matches he won he uh hurt his leg uh fighting a taekwondo guy who was probably a hundred at least a hundred pounds heavier than him oh golly uh so they did pretty well and that led to uh an expansive popularity inside of the united states which is kind of how i got into it so anyhow, that's your boring history lesson. No, it wasn't boring. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. Uh, so why do I think this is a good idea for a gym activity? Which is a great question, right? Because you're hearing like, oh, you won UFC 1. It's like, well, why are we having our kids do that? Well, UFC, uh, love it or hate it, it does give you an interesting data point about what actually works in a fight. Mm -hmm. Fairly well, because they didn't have too many rules, um, at least at that point in time. Uh, so we know it actually does work for self-defense so that's a useful skill uh right there uh, i'm gonna throw this out there it's especially useful skill for girls um because if you think of combat sports you can do you could learn boxing and it's you should learn boxing but you're probably not going to have someone come up and like try to box you usually the sorts of uh attacks that people do they're trying to grab you and control you if you're boxing, you have the option to run away. If someone is pinning you to the ground, you can't run away. Um, so that's why we need jujitsu. Uh, it's the only thing that will get you out if you're on the ground. Hmm. Uh, so that's one super useful thing. Uh, if someone grabs you, you can at least get out. And if you really want, you might be able to, you know, strangle the other person. Um, which again is, a, I think, a, a nice little feature there, especially for like girls' self-defense because... A lot of people don't want to hurt another person. That's especially prevalent among females of like, well, you know, even if someone's attacking me, I don't want to like physically hurt them. A strangle doesn't actually hurt someone. Yeah. If you release it soon enough. Sure. I mean, sure. If you sit there for 10 minutes, it would be bad. Um, but you can peaceably disarm someone. Well, even the joints. I mean, if this is just your description about why it's called a gentle technique yeah. was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then now if you can just be like, oh, out of joint. I mean, it really would throw yeah. somebody off mm -hmm. so yeah that's great and it's kind of the nice way to do self-defense too of like if your mm -hmm. options are like honestly shooting someone or breaking their arm like well an mm -hmm. arm break is you're out for a couple weeks but it'll heal whereas something else might kill someone so yeah well and not to be 
crazy, but you, I mean, there's other things you can do to disarm somebody like, you know, especially girls, you can, you know, we always tell our kids, yeah, elbow, knee, bite, whatever you can do. Mm -hmm. But if you disarm them first, you can really disable them and run or whatever. So that's... Yeah, if you break their arm, you're definitely going to win if you decide to box after that. So, <laughs> Or even put out a joint. But yes, yeah, that's great. It also gives you uh, positional control, which is important. Because a lot of times people focus on flashy things. And I see this a lot along like girls self-defensive, like poke them in the eyes or whatever. It's like, well, there are lots of positions someone can be in where you can't reach their eyes. Right. Uh, whereas jujitsu lets you move into that position where if you wanted to do such a thing, you could. Right. Or if someone else was trying to poke you in your eyes, you could get out of there. Hmm. So some other benefits, uh, enough on self-defense. Uh, it's a sport you can continue after school, which I think is uh, a real key feature. Because mm -hmm. some things are super popular, like, say, American football. But to play American football, you needed, like, 20 people mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, you need a league. Pretty much you have to do it either semi-professionally or not at all after school. And that's what happens. People go, they play football. It's fun. They get a bunch of injuries. Their spine hurts the rest of their life. Uh, and then they get out of shape and wander around talking about their glory days. Maybe I'm casting too negative light. Uh, but jujitsu, there's clubs all over the place. You can go whenever time allows, which is kind of nice. Whereas like if you join a football team, like that's commitment right there. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, as a smaller school, we're eff effectively disenfranchised from the WIA because we'd have to compete in several sports and so on and so forth. Right. And at our size, we simply don't have the scale to do that. Uh, BJJ, it is something our students could actually compete in if they wanted to. Hmm. Uh, they'd probably need to find somewhere to train to get more training time. But there are competitions all over the place that there's like Fuji has a big competition here in Madison every year. Wow. Uh, and you can just sign up um hmm. and join and there's no like rules of like well if you play here then you can't play in the wia mm -hmm. you just sign up it's totally unregulated it's great second part it's great for conditioning um jujitsu will move uh exercise every muscle including ones that you didn't know you have <laughs> uh you'll learn about that and after the first couple practices <laughs> but then you stop getting sore i promise <laughs> uh the last part is it's surprisingly practical to implement basically all you need are mats uh, so what we do is a style called nogi which is based off the word gi which is like a jacket in That's japan right. yeah so if you watch like you know karate or whatever they're wearing like the little cool white jacket thing that's mm -hmm. called a gi, a gi. Uh -huh. um so it's fun to like judo wears a gi and it's kind of fun because you can actually like hold on to the other person uh but it's kind of a lot of work to you know, buy everyone geese. Plus, if you're on the streets, the streets with a Z, people <laughs> might not be wearing long sleeves that are this nice double weave cotton that you can actually like hold on to. <sighs> you don't want to be like, I'm super ready to defend myself and be like, oh, but the guy's not wearing a shirt or he's got a tank top on. <laughs> I have no options. Uh, so that's... You could pull out an extra <sighs> ghee from your bag. Here, put yeah, this on. Yeah, them put it on. <laughs> on the streets with a Z. Streets with a Z. <laughs> Uh, so we go nogi. So basically, you're just in your standard athletic wear of gym shorts uh, and a shirt. Now, along those lines, it is good to cover as much skin as possible. Um, it's not as big an issue for us, um, just based on how often you know people train. Uh, but in larger clubs, uh, there is a little possibility of uh, too much skin-to-skin -skin contact and transferring, you know, things. Mm. Uh, so it's good to cover cover your skin mm -hmm. um, and like wash your hands and your arm once you're done playing. Sure. Uh, for example, I thought you were going to say rug burn. 
Uh, Matt Byrne. Yeah, that's a thing too. Yeah. Uh, not too bad, but yeah, it is nice to cover the bases there. Sure. Um, so let's talk about safety a bit because this kind of sounds like super dangerous, right? Of like, this is combat sport you can use on the streets. Uh, in fact, I think I would make the argument it is more safe than football, ultimate frisbee, and marathons. So we'll start with American football. Injuries all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like concussion. They might as well call it concussion ball. <laughs> and as you know, much as I'm in favor of our students, like, you know, have being sturdy kids and all that, like, I'm not sure I'd let my own kids play American football just because like your brain doesn't recover from concussions really. You only get so many in your life <laughs> uh before your mental function starts going down. So you want a sport where you don't get hit in the head. Um you don't get hit in the head in jujitsu. At least during school hours, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, once you get your diploma, it's all up to you. It's all up to you. Uh, ultimate oh, Frisbee no. seems like an innocuous sport. And in fact, we played it. Uh, but for a little streak there, we were having like a minor injury like every week just because like, oh, you know, someone, well, we're using footballs and not Frisbees, but you jam your finger on the ball or you're running and you turn your ankle or you're running to catch the ball and you run into someone else. Uh, you don't have those problems in jiu-jitsu because you're only with one person. Hmm. Uh, they're right in front of you, so you always know where they are. And you're on a matted surface. Hmm. So you have those things working within you. We we take the dangerous elements and we compress it in these like spots where you know you're in danger. Whereas ultimate frisbee, you're not looking and someone runs into you and then you fall on the ground and it hurts. So uh, so Tuesday night, Ultimate Frisbee Karis players, <laughs> keep keep your ear open. Watch out for those injuries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one, because um, there's uh, a concern, which I think is a well-founded one of like, well, as Christians, we shouldn't like violence and things that can hurt you. Um, but I argue, well, marathons. Is there any moral aspect to like, ooh, you shouldn't run a marathon? Like, I think we'd all say like marathons are a good thing. Yet when you go to a marathon event, they'll probably have at least one ambulance already lined up because they know someone's going to pass out. Someone's going to get low blood sugar, but some marathons people even die. But yet we still recognize that like, well, it's a lot of people competing. We're still willing to take the risk to engage in something like, like running. So anyhow, jujitsu is at a pretty stellar safety record so far. Hmm. You said a lot of controversial things in those last few sentences, Mr. Decker. Yeah. I mean, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, so running ultimate frisbee, football, just put it all away, do jiu-jitsu. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That There's a good safety record. I feel like you sold it when you talked about why it's called the gentle technique and why it was started being used. I mean, I thought that was really helpful to hear. Yeah, one final point I wanted to make... Um, uh, in the question of basically, should we even have, uh, let girls be playing combat sports like jujitsu? And I'll preface this by saying we do split up the classes. So the, the boys aren't practicing with the girls, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, a lot of clubs, it's a co-ed thing. Uh, but I think there it's, you're choosing to go to like a club specifically to do jujitsu, whereas school's like a whole package. So we, we don't want to have people like facing that kind of thing. So we split it up. Um, but some folks kind of like the Toby Sumterish perspective, um, which by the way, I do respect the gentleman a lot, uh, would say that, well, we shouldn't have girls playing combat sports because combat is not inherent to the role of femininity that it's the masculine role to go out and fight and risk your life to do things. And I see where they're coming from there. 
I think I draw a difference between combat sports and combat. So like, we're not saying like, don't have your daughters go join the Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. But being a Navy SEAL and going overseas and shooting people is much different than engaging in a sport that has a self-defense application. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a clear difference in the category there. Um, also, like, what do you tell your daughters? They couldn't do javelin toss because that's a war-based sport. like we'd all recognize that like well yes it has a martial tradition and theoretically it could be useful if you had a spear but like it's not the same thing um and also since it's a gentle technique it doesn't require a a disposition towards violence you don't have to think like oh i want to hurt the other person it's just it's chess i want to get into a position where the other person can't keep playing it's chess yeah interesting it's physical chess there you go Hmm. okay interesting Oh, and Plato says we should do it. Um, yeah, there you go. The, the question came up in Plato's Republic, and he's like, yeah, we should have the gals turn for, uh, train for war. Not quite sure I'm on board with all of Socrates' uh, ideas there, but interesting to note. That, that is, yeah, for sure. Um, got a, I had a Socrates quote, too, but that I thought was really good. No citizen has a right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. What a disgrace it is for a man to grow old without ever seeing the beauty and strength of which the body is capable. Ooh, that's a good one. Isn't that a good one? Yeah. Well, so when we talked about it at the beginning, I think, or we talked about it beforehand, but no, we did talk about it at the beginning, that all these things are important because this is helping us learn to think. It's, it's, they're not separated things. The, the mind, the soul, and the body are not separate. We are they're all integrated. And so when we talk about discipline, even the grammar, the logic, and the rhetoric of using our bodies, this is a great way to do it because you need to know yourself. You need to know your body. You need to exercise it with discipline to get to a place where you can actually engage in what I would jujitsu. I wouldn't even call, yeah. it, call it combat. It's it incredibly it? mental. In fact, like jujitsu is basically one big flow chart where you're in position and you can move to different positions and it's just going around the flow chart. So I like kind of nerdy. I liked how you called it chess too, like a physical chess. That's really interesting. Um, so yeah, I would like to learn more. This has been really helpful. Thank you. Anything else you want to add? Oh uh, yeah. I think as the conclusion would be, you know, how do you implement this if you're perhaps an educator somewhere else you're thinking oh i'm kind of sold on jujitsu uh what we've done is uh, had it as kind of part of a balanced breakfast if you will when it comes to physical activities so in the the summertime when it's nice and everyone really really wants to be outside we'll do like uh ultimate frisbee or something uh outside and then come winter time we'll typically do that um so you can also work in physical fitness things i'd really recommend look at the la sierra program and see about doing that yourself it's not something we've implemented yet kind of think we should yeah that so. w- I, I was very interested in the la sierra program so we'll probably be talking more about that i should probably figure out how to do 13 pull-ups before i tell other people they should do it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, I i was really impressed with and even thinking about classical education you know talking about the small things that we do talking about goals you mm-hmm. know you and i talked about that as well like starting starting out the year setting a goal, being able to reach that goal, what it takes to get to that goal. I mean, we're doing that in all of our classroom, in all education, our, especially our older students talk about, you know, how we, how we set goals, how we make measurable goals and how we attain them. And so that's going to be all of life. We're going to need to do that. So when it comes to our bodies, that's a very important part of it because as, you know, Rousseau and Socrates and all these others say, you know, you need to be able to exercise your body. You need to have a body in, in 
not necessarily top shape, but you know, workable shaped for your mind to work as well. And so um, I think these are very important things to think about and talk through in a classical education. So I really appreciate all of your expertise in this and thanks for sharing about jujitsu. I learned a lot. This is great. Um, now I'm going to think of it as physical chess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which is perfect. Um, okay. Well, wonderful. Uh, we'll probably follow up with you about this at some point. I think it'd be really interesting. I'd love for people to learn about the La Sierra program and um, I'll put some links at the end here as well. But uh, it's summertime. We're like a month in now. Do you have any recommendations for me? For us, I should say, I, I'm throwing this at Aaron, but he should know by now that this is what we ask. Well, recommendations for us. Well, it's summertime. We just got done talking about physical education and physical fitness and how Socrates thinks it would be a, an absolute shame if you went your whole life without ever experiencing the true goodness of what you could be. Uh, so my yeah. recommendation is get out there and train. Uh, jiu-jitsu is fun. There's lots of activities open for you, especially we're coming out of the whole uh, lockdown thing. So gyms are opening back up. Clubs are opening back up. It's awesome. Find something. Get out there. Yeah. Become the best you you can be. Meet Aaron at the, the nearest jiu-jitsu club. You said you were boxing this morning. Uh, yeah, right now I'm doing boxing. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. It's never know. too late to be who you should have been. You're young too. Oh, man. Okay. That's a great recommendation. I think I'm supposed to come up with one too, but yeah, what's your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation is uh, underwater basket weaving. <laughs> underwater basket weaving. Yes, that's what it is. Um, yeah, we'll just stick with that one. Unless anybody wants, I'm. I feel like I need to. We're, we're talking about goals, so. Mm-hmm. In the summer, I tend to just try to catch up on stuff that I've missed during the school year. And generally, it's at home, which I think is important. It's like organizing my basement, which I haven't even touched yet. Or, you know, I think it's really good to do that. But um, I notice that if I don't sit down and write my goals for the summer or for the month or the week and then just kind of chip away at them, even the books I want to read, like chip away at them, it's not going to work. So um, one of the things I try to do now is set a race at the end of the summer or at the beginning of the fall like mm-hmm. a, um, because running is just an easy way for me to to do that and so I I set a race and then I feel like I learn something every time I train from it and we have a, a friend a mutual friend at, at church who's a he's like a ultra marathoner <laughs> so he'll give me tips too um, which I will never get there um, but but it's interesting to note that the first marathon runner did drop dead. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we learned the that classical history. tradition. Yeah, the classical tradition. Yeah, no, but anyways, um, yeah. So I think that even whether it's you know, like you said, physical education or something else, just setting goals, writing them down, and and see where we get. So I have lots of work to do on my goals and sitting down and writing most of them out. But I'm trying to chip away at at least getting to this race and not using that ambulance that you said <laughs> is always sitting on the side of the road. So, anyways, I guess that would be my my recommendation, but. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was great. With uh, didn't hear many dogs barking and you know kids mowing lawns. It's great. Summer is wonderful. So I hope you're all having a great summer. And um, yeah, send us a message if you want any. If you want us to go over anything else, or if you want to reach out to uh, Aaron to see where he boxes, so you can <laughs> spar with him <laughs> during the week. Um, he's gonna kill me for saying that. But anyways, well, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Thank you. Okay, bye.